My name is Alana and you are listening to Give a Damn, a podcast that intentionally and mindfully explores life's common challenges in order to break down the barriers between us and become the best version of yourself. Welcome back to the Give a Damn podcast. I hope you all are having a wonderful day, a wonderful week. I know this time uh, has a lot of ups and downs, so I hope that this is helpful content and that I'm catching you in a lot of ups right now and helping to um, really bring a little bit of light and optimism into your day. I'm really excited about our next guest. Before we dive in, um, just some housekeeping items. Just remember, like, please continue to share this with your friends, with your communities. If you like what you're hearing, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and check out the Give a Damn Instagram page um, where I'm putting out daily content. So thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate all of your support. And I'm going to dive in because I'm so excited to get into this conversation and share this next guest with you. Um, On today's episode, I have Aubrey Nichols. Aubrey is a black belt in truth telling. She hails from Texas, but this feminine feminist finds comfort in the sunshine, green juice, and hellacious traffic of Los Angeles, California. Her writing for The Week, Observer and Elite Daily has made her a resonant voice in the self-love movement, which she believes is the ultimate love story. That said, the pioneer of mobile dating is swiping right in hopes of finding her her SO. Her spirit animal is the black swan, and she believes that love can change the world. She has an M. MA in organizational change and her day job, she cultivates community and ignites creativity within organizations with her proprietary workshop, Stoked. If she's not drinking coffee, dancing to Beyonce, or writing, she is thinking about drinking coffee, dancing to Beyonce, or writing. Please welcome Aubrey Nichols to the show. Hi, Alana. How are you? Good morning. Thanks for having me. Good morning. Oh my God, that bio. First of all, the drinking coffee dancing Beyonce are writing. I also dance to Beyonce and crave dream about drinking coffee. So I already feel like we might be soulmates. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Okay, what's your favorite song? Oh my God, Love on Top. Oh yeah, that's such a good one. Yeah, that's that's such a a good one. That's a staple. (laughs) Yeah, that's a go-to. What's yours? Yeah, um, I, mm, crazy in love, love on top. Uh, I was here. Ooh. Sorry. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are all really good ones. It's just so hard to choose. It depends on what mood I want to call up, you know? Um, Absolutely. And you, and you dance and you dance around like no one's watching as well. And especially on the street. I love it. And people are like, that girl (laughs) is either mentally ill or really happy or (laughs) from New York and doesn't give a fuck. (laughs) And I'm like, potentially all three of those things are true. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) 
I love it. I love it. I'm so excited to have you on for so many reasons. Um, the biggest thing is that you actually, you agreed to be on this podcast and I, and I just really appreciate that because I'm so moved by your message of self-love. I was, you know, thinking as I was preparing for this interview about, um, how a lot of women and men feel guilty or feel like it's selfish to prioritize self-love. And so obviously I'm pushing it and pushing it and pushing it, but I'm really excited to hear your take on this and what your journey yeah. is. Um, so where do I start? I will, I guess I'll start, um, <laughs> being in the bathroom, uh, my kindergarten bathroom, I was six years old. Um, the first of three daughters growing up and sort of Perfectionville, um, sort of very homogeneous area of Houston, Texas, um, where my mom would set a beautiful table, but you know, it was nice to look at, but you never wanted to eat too much. Um, and really looked down at my thighs and for some reason, just the thought came to me that they're just too big. And I was six. Um, and really from that age, um, just dancing with various forms of like eating disorders, all stemming from this place of like not being good enough, never not being pretty enough, just not doing it quite right. Um, I didn't, you know, I was like too energetic, um, always too much. Um, and being an empath and very, I had a very active internal world as a creative being, but I didn't never, I didn't really know that I was a creative being growing up and had this like, you know, taking on the world's energies always. And it just felt like, whoa, this is a really, really intense experience, um, you know, for just being out there in the world. So I, it, it was even too much for me. So I quieted that intensity with, you know, by shutting it down, by starving, by ultimately making myself throw up and eventually drugs and you know, drugs and drinking, um, just tried to like quiet this incessant, um, like hum and, you know, uncomfortable feelings. And a sense I had, I felt this like sense of emptiness and I tried to fill my insides with the outsides and, um, consistently throughout my life. And that took me all the way into adulthood. Um, where I, I guess at 25, I moved to New York to quote unquote, look for jobs. But really what I did was party my brains off. I like, I like, I partied, I did tons of drugs. I was like, had my dad's credit card. I went to this place called lot 61. I was like, this is amazing. They have bongo drums with EDM. I love this place. Mom, send all my stuff. And that's how I decided to move to New York City. Um, yeah. Oh I mean, not really. A, it wasn't really a thoughtful decision. but um, And it was really a decision that was guided by my um, desire to party and escape and um disappear into this like work drug fueled world of like nighttime darkness, you know? Um, and, but that's mm -hmm. not really me. I mean, you know, I, where I sit today, like I'm 
up early. We're having this podcast, you know, after I've already been up three hours in Los Angeles, California. I'm more of like a morning, bright, sunny person. And um, that nighttime world didn't really serve me. And so, and it took me down. Um, And so, like, I think at 26 or 20, like, 27, I decided to stop drinking altogether. Um, so I've been sober ever since. So that's, that was kind of like my, my first step into, into, I guess this world of self-love, like telling myself that I valued myself enough to just not put the things in my body that didn't agree with my body. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that was at 27 and I, I guess I'll just take you through the rest of it, but, um, you know, and I, but like this sort of, the striving didn't stop the striving to tell for like people on the outside to tell me that I was good and I was okay, that I was okay and that I was worth it didn't stop. Um, I proceeded to, you know, try to get all the jobs. I worked in advertising a long time, trying to like, um, get all the right jobs, get the right highlights, live in the right place in New York city. Um, eventually I walked down the aisle to a man, I was 35 and because I thought it was time and, you know, he had all, he owned an art gallery on the Bowery. He, um, had all that drove the, a Range Rover, um, you know, he had this cool loft mm-hmm. in Nolita. I thought that he could give me everything that I ever wanted. Um, and so I married him, um, not for love, um, but for the things that I thought that I should have. And three years into that marriage, I had all of those things. I was dripping in pink diamonds. I had all the right clothes but I was the most miserable version of myself and I couldn't even look at myself in the mirror. I was just like a shell. And, um, that was really what led me to believe that, you know, something really had to change, but this time it was more from the inside out. I knew that something I I had to go inward, not outward. I got, I have a quite, I have so many thoughts going through my head as you're telling me the story, Aubrey. So, Yeah. So first of all, I just want to say, um, I think you and I actually have really similar journeys because I also moved to New York at 24 and went Mm -hmm. buck ass wild. And I talk about it very openly on my podcast as well. There's something about New York that, um, I recently was talking through this on another podcast that there's a difference between happiness and contentment, right? So when you're in New York, you think you're happy because you're having fun and, it's so big that there's almost no consequences uh-huh. is the thing to it. Like th- when you're in such a big city and you're going crazy, but everybody else is doing the same thing, you can normalize your behavior. And so I think a lot of people get into that space of the drinking and the drugs. Um, I know I definitely did too. And it kind of is okay, but yet you feel happy because you're having fun and you have a lot of wonderful fun people around you and you're making lifelong friends as well. So I, I definitely understand that. And so now what I'm wondering is 27 to 35. So what happened there when you made that decision to be sober, um, which is actually pretty quick. Like you had a couple years of really Mm -hmm. going crazy and then I applaud you for really stopping it and catching yourself. But 
um, did the self-love journey, what happened in those years that before you got married, like, did you start that journey and then just kind of get lost in a relationship to fill you up or, or was, did you stop the, did, did you become sober and then build other habits? Um, yeah. So I just, let me talk, talk on the, the sobriety part, because if someone is trying to get sober, they're struggling with, um, substances. I mean, you know, it's been, it feels, it's been almost 16 years. So it's been a while, but I just want to talk and say, you know, my, I really didn't, you know, my first love is like in my mantra was skinny or die. (laughs) So I did. So for me, it was anorexia, bulimia and the cocaine, which allowed me to stay thin. I mean, drinking was just actually opened up the gateway to, to the cocaine. And, um, so I just had to say no to all substances and my, the only, I heard to stop drinking. Um, I just had a desire to stop drinking. So that's what fueled me and not, I didn't have to hit a bottom, but I saw a bottom. And so that was really what got me onto the road for recovery and living a sober life. So, um, for anyone who's out there struggling, I mean, you know, I just had one day at a time, a desire to stop drinking because it opened up the gateway into other things. But, um, and once I, and you're right, Alana, once I did put down, um, the drugs and the drinking, the other things popped up. Right. So, you know, I started like quote unquote running marathons, but that was just another way to stay extremely thin. Um, you know, I definitely, uh, you know, I had a lot of sort of illicit affairs with men who are definitely not single. Um, you, you know, those sorts mm-hmm. of like, those sorts of bad behaviors that allowed me to get the same sort of fix. Um, you know, male affirmation was a big, um, it was a high for me. It was one of my first highs, like getting that man to see me and like worship me and give me things, you know? And so because I felt powerful, my sexuality, my, you know, my appearance, it was, it was a sword and I, I wielded that sword. And so, you know, in, I guess that's seven year stint in between getting sober and then getting married. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of destructive behavior going on there. Um, and there was, I mean, there was also really amazing things happening, you know, like I launched a company, like an online, it was sort of a location-based dating app, like Tinder back in the day, but it was like, they called me the, the mobile, uh, the pioneer of mobile dating. So there was a lot of good stuff that happened um, there, but there was also a lot of like working it out and having to come back around and say like, oh, guess what, Aubrey? You're still doing the same thing, but it's not in powder or, you know, liquid form. So it's like, um, it's masquerading yeah. as like something else, but I'm, I was still kind of getting into trouble when that's fine. Um, you know, um, yeah. So then, I mean, in ostensibly what happened when I got married was I kind of took the easy way out there too. That was just another solution. That was just another mm-hmm. way to fill that deep hole inside to, to get, try to find that love 
outside of myself that I didn't know or didn't want to give myself. I, I didn't know I could. You know, I mean, mm. I, growing up, self-love yeah. wasn't something that my mom was walking around talking about. And in fact, there was definitely an air growing up in my home, at least that my perception was, that that love or celebration or it had to be earned. So it, there was not a sense mm. of like deserving, but it was very much earning. Um, and, and yeah, mm-hmm. so that's, that's what I took away um, from my family of origin. Yeah, I think you touched on something um, too by recognizing that you don't have to be using drugs or alcohol to be not confronting, to be like masking other things still. A lot of people use promiscuity and love from a partner to fill a void that they just aren't willing to fill. And I've done it too. So I'm not pointing fingers. Like I, I, as you're saying that I was almost going in my head thinking, Oh, that's what that is. Oh, that like, I think we all struggle with that, but the fact is that you recognize what that Mm. was. And I think that that is such a huge thing that you don't have to just be an addict to have those sort of addictive behaviors. And for, for you saying that everything kind of stepped back to the eating disorder, um, it's really just more, more validation that, that the love had to come within yourself. So, um, yeah. Yeah. No, Alana, I think that's so key. I mean, mm-hmm. like for example, oh gosh, I mean, Pilates. All right. I love doing Pilates and some days it makes me feel really centered and strong in my core, but some days yeah. it gives me a really <laughs> skinny, skinny white girl body. And I really like that. And <laughs> so it's like, you know, what is the motivation that I'm doing Pilates? And it's like, I think that those are, it's a really good question to ask myself. You know, when I get, when I want to get um, essays published, especially when we first went under lockdown and quarantine, I realized like, oh God, I got to get published. I want to be seen. I want to be seen. I want to be seen because I felt so invisible and I felt like I had no control you know, and that's okay. I mean, and it was really good for me to understand that, that I, I, I wanted to be affirmed by someone because I, I felt like I would disappear in my room and no one would ever know that I was a writer. But when I find that, and I'm finding currently that if I write from a place of helping others or from my life's purpose, then it's definitely the writing is better. It resonates with people. And they say Mm -hmm. like, what are you doing it for applause or are you doing it for a cause? And it's always a good question to ask myself, what am I doing this for? You know? Um, And there's in, again, there's no bad or good in either. There's just an awareness of it. And to know that place that I'm coming from. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Learn. Yeah. Learning what your intentions are is really important. Yeah. I think that that's a great clarification of, yeah, doing things for you genuinely or doing things for a motive. Um, so, yeah. So thank you for sharing that. So, so I, because I want to know, and I want to pick your brain, 
after your divorce and you really, I mean, you talk about self-love, like what is self-love to you? What do you tell people about that journey for yourself? Like I know part of it is obviously like making these distinctions and recognizing these things, but what is your self-love practice and how did you develop it? Okay. Great question. So let me take you to my breaking point. Okay. I, I show up at Equinox on 19th Street, sort of in the Union Square area. I have this routine, get up, drink coffee, um, go run seven masochistic miles on the treadmill, no matter what. From there, I'm allowed to do things like be out in the world and eat and put on nice clothing. But if I'm not doing that, then I'm, I don't do anything and I'm not worthy. This is the, this is the message and the sort of tape that's running in my head for years, Mm -hmm. for for decades, really. So I show up, I'm so miserable in my marriage. I like literally am so thin. It's like I have this huge six carat diamond ring that is like so not me and so not about me. It was about my husband. Um, it's like, you know, think big tires on a truck type thing. Yep. And um, he's like, why don't you wear both your rings? I'm like, oh my God, please. I'm like sporty spice, right? <laughs> so I show up, I'm like, okay, guess what? I'm not going to do this treadmill routine because I'm exhausted. And then I like stumble into this dance class where this woman named Patricia Moreno is teaching. They're playing and the dance was Rachel Platten's fight song, you know, the lyrics. So I I get in the back, I had my hat pulled down low because I like, I'm like, I don't want to look at you. It's like the the, the side of my own reflection disgusted me. But I was like shrouded in hate, not only from myself, but from my husband. He didn't love himself either. So I'm like taking this on. So I'm just like, then I hear the words, this is my fight song. I take, I take back my life song. And just from there, I just start bawling, bawling. And really that was my breaking point. Now I, I kept on going back to this dance class because I was like, through like dancing the emotions and like embodying these words and being able to move this energy, I started to feel better. And Patricia just made me happy. The women in her class who are now all my friends made me happy. I started to go to one of her other classes called Intense Sati, which is basically Tony Robbins affirmations paired with like high crazy impact cardio. So I would jump around like a mad woman saying things like, I am powerfully beyond measure. I'm stronger than I think. I am braver than I seem. I'm blessed with all I need. So what this did for me is really help me to realize because I started to believe some of these things and the self, the volume on the self-loathing was turned down just enough to where I could feel a difference that, wow, I feel better than I used to. And I think it's because I'm, I'm these, these affirmations that I'm telling myself. And I think it's because I'm doing it with movement. And so what happened was, is I realized that I had the power to rewire my brain with these new messaging. Mm -hmm. And it caused me to question these old messages. So if you're out there and you're listening, the big takeaway here is, and then I, I, I did some research. Mm-hmm. It's up till the age of six, we're given these programs that our parents give us. And we play these programs or these tapes on repeat. And we act, we, we think that they're truth. 
we take them as truth and we operate, we think these things, I'm not good enough, I'm not pretty enough, I need to do X, Y, and Z to be worthy. And we basically create our lives around these things. And these thoughts create our emotions and these emotions create our lives. And then there I am at 38, leaving a man, giving him my child barren years, being like, oh, fuck, you know? Yeah. But it's never too late to... It's, it's never too late to like start a new way of being and feeling and you have the power and we have the power to create our reality. And it's with first tending, like investigating the thoughts that we're thinking. Um, so that was my first step onto my self-love journey. And then I surrounded myself with this woman who worked out with me in the class, who also had this way of thinking and believing. So I wasn't alone when I was building this new habit. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to stop there to see if you have any questions. <laughs> I mean, that's incredible. And it sounds too like you stopped working out to get skinny too. Is that right? Like, it sounds like you started going yeah. just to like do it, to move your body because you actually felt good for the first time in your life. Yeah. So that was actually very true. Now, like I, I told you, I came from a, like, you got to earn it, to eat it type culture, you know, like working out was always about how am I going to give myself permission to eat today or just to be out in the world or to be seen. And there was, there did start, there was joy. There was other reasons why I was showing up there. Now, listen, I will tell you that I have never been thinner than when I was working out around my divorce yeah. and I loved it. Yeah. Um, however, I look back and I'm like, oh my God, that was a little scary, but <laughs> it helped me get through um, that really difficult time. And so th then I did this embodiment exercise, if you will, but I also paired it with morning pages. So, yeah. um, right. Getting up every morning, writing stream of consciousness, setting my intentions for the day in the present tense, like, you know, um, really, you know, I want to feel, I am happy and grateful that I feel creative today. I feel energetic. I feel loving, you know, I am, so that was really powerful to set my intentions for how I was going to feel um, and also I did surrounding myself with those women who also were doing the same thing that I was, was really, really yeah. huge. Yeah. Um, cause I think we all got to surround ourselves with a community that reminds us that we need to shine, that we actually need our higher self. Um, and our, you know, our highest potential, our best self to show up, not, not the sort of like low vibe self that is mm, guided by all of these like messages that don't serve us, yeah. you know, and because it's like, it's hard. It's, it's hard when we're creating new behaviors to remember that. Yeah. And that, I, I am forever grateful to to those women. They're still in my life today. They're some of my best friends. Oh, that's amazing. I, ju I just did a, um, I just did a podcast episode on happiness. And one of the factors in happiness is surrounding yourself by also happy, supportive people. Um, so it, yeah, I mean, I totally believe that to be true. You mentioned morning pages. Were you doing the artist way? Yeah. So it's, it's part of Julia Cameron's, um, artist way. I've done the artist way, like a 
a lot of times. And the one thing that is stuck out to me, um, the one practice is the morning pages. Yeah. And so I did them this morning. Um, I, I have actually in the, in the pandemic and this lockdown, I've tried to shift the way the morning pages function in my life because I wasn't doing them in the morning and I was beating myself up for not doing them in the morning. So I just have renamed them the pages <laughs> and like my journal, I'm staring at it right now and listen, like write down stuff when you want to write down stuff pages is what they're called. Yeah. <laughs> and as long as you, I'm writing stuff down um, and using my journal and there's something really powerful about like pen to paper um, and it's messy and it's like they're scribbly and now I have some colored pencils that I have in there and stickers and etc. It's just about turning to the journal because for me like the energy of words um, and even like as we're speaking together like we I need to write them down I need to let the universe know that I'm thinking about these things. I don't ever really need to go back to them. Um, but it's, that's something that's journaling has been a really powerful tool in my life. Yeah. And, um, so when I do it in the day does not matter anymore because I'm trying to like loosen all the shoulds yes. and the, the things, the way that I should do things. And because the way that I used to do things, nothing really was working in the pandemic because everything is different now. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I'm a big, I'm a big journaler myself. It's, that's like, that's my release. That's my therapy. So, um, I'm, I'm with you on that. So I just, I, want to keep picking your brain because I'm so fascinated with all of this. Um, and I always try to, these podcasts usually are, are 30 minutes on the dot, but there's so much more I need to ask you. So fuck it. Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> so just a little bit more. I'm just from there. Talk to me about like your, your decision to move to California and then, and building your business because I love, I love stoked, which, which is your agency, which is creativity and effectiveness. And, um, you really came, not only did you find your own self-love, now you teach about it. So like, how did that happen? How did you get there? Um, well, it's still happening. <laughs> um, it is still happening because I'm, I, I, for anyone out there who is like wanting to start their own business, um, or nervous about it. I mean, especially right now, as we're coming out of quarantine, it's a great time for like reinvention. I mean, so how did I get there? Well, I was, I am so sensitive, honestly, and I'm not so sensitive, like in a victim way, but I'm really sensitive to my environment. So like working in a nine to five, working in a box where I have, where other people are like contributing to the energy and I can't be in control of my energy. It's just like a disaster for me yeah. and being trapped is a trigger for me. So it's like, I don't want to be trapped. I'm the daughter of like an, a, you know, self-made like oil tycoon who, um, you know, loves when people laugh at his crazy ideas because he knows that they're going to work. Like I am this, you know, the, the daughter of like two entrepreneurial parents, um, who 
we've had to beg them to wear masks because they don't follow rules. But meanwhile, like I'm going to jump, I'm getting like caught by the lifeguard every day. Cause I'm going to jump in the ocean. You know what I mean? So I'm just come from this, like this family of like savages. I mean, basically it's like we, I want to know the rules because I want to break them. So I definitely am just an entrepreneur, entrepreneur, um, at like, I have this spirit in me. Um, So how did I come to teach self-love? It was like, I, I got a master's degree in organizational change. And that, the reason I did that is because I worked in ad agencies for 12 years to sort of make a fucking idea now by, and by five o'clock, um, didn't really work for me. It made me very scared. Um, I felt that there was a very toxic environment in ad agencies and it, you know, it did not breed lots of creativity. In fact, it breeded, it bred um, no creativity. It just bred fear. And I was felt paralyzed. So I went back and I got this graduate degree because I wanted to heal the environments that we created. But I want to do that like in, in like through teaching like self-care and self-love and like how to help creative teams get unstuck. And that's what Stoke, this workshop does. It helps people sort of meet their um, creative demons and work through them and um, dance with them in a new way and approach creativity with like fun and lightness and joy. Um, and um, yeah, it wanna, it helps creatives realize that they are like essentially like Beethoven or Salvador Dali. And like, if you stick them in a box, like a cubicle, you know, most creative organizations are like, or have been in offices, then they're going to feel stuck. So they need to get out. They need to ride bikes. They need to go on walks. They need to see movies, you Mm -hmm. know, not always try to like put out because you can't always put out if you're not like taking in. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that's why if you, if I'll ask you like what happens before a great creative idea, Alana, do you know? I take time for myself. Nothing, nothing. If you were to ask, yeah, you're right. It's like people think, oh, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Nothing. It's mm. usually what happens before a great creative idea sparks is absolutely nothing. People are just like, you know, watering the plants or doing nothing. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I just have a lot of passion for that and I'm still working it out. Um, about, because I would need to figure out like, who's going to pay for it, you know, who values this stuff. And I think that that's where I am right now in the self-love journey is I've gone back and tried to sell this sort of way of thinking into ad agencies and they're just not having it because they think that they're creative enough as it is. Mm. And they've got that. Don't come in here and tell me how to be creative. Okay. Well, I won't. Um, but I will go teach people these tools and these tips and these like strategies um for to people who value it so um i'm just still in the process of figuring out who values that who wants this who's willing to pay for it because i think that's one thing like i'll give away an hour of my time for free but beyond that um I'm going to send invoices yeah. <laughs> because, because men do and because I'm just, I'm not going to work for free. And I think the one other thing that I will say right now, so I'm going to be, 
I'm 42 and be 43 at the end of the month. And I don't want to be doing the work that other people can do anymore. So, you know, while it's tempting, especially right now when like the project flow is very light to, um, non-existent, it's really tempting for me to say, oh, I'm going to go back and get a full-time job. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, that world that were, that would like suffocate my spirit and my soul. So I can't do that. But, um, I want to do only the work that I can do right now. Mm-hmm. And it's just at this stage in the game, I really have to trust in the process that when I do that, um, that I'll, that all the wealth and abundance will come. So hard to do right yeah. now. It's really hard. Yeah, <laughs> this is a this is a this is an uncertain time for everybody, but especially if you yeah. have your own business um, and can't depend on, you know, just like a steady paycheck and things operating as usual. So it definitely it's. But it sounds like what you're doing, what you're offering, is so unique. And I see like the clients you you've worked with Disney and Olay and Apple. I mean, such huge people who are creative have gotten on board with, with stoked, which is really, it's really impressive to see that they were open to being, um, to doing a new way of creativity. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. I feel blessed in that way. Yeah. Well, Aubrey, I don't want to take up a ton more of your time. I know it's precious right now, but um, but first of all, I just I appreciate your sharing your journey. I appreciate the writing that you've done. If you're listening, you have to go to AubreyNichols.com where she has pieces up. I mean, I was I was just telling you before this that I was reading them last night and like audibly laughing and just being like, yes, thank you. This is so good. And, and for me reading it, um, as I told you it, I really felt like it, it gave me permission to be honest because you're so honest and it's scary to put yourself out there like that. But just know that at at least for me, I know, and I know a lot of people I talk to, like you're afraid of the repercussions of your honesty. If you say that you're struggling, if you say that, um, that in your past was hard or that you used to make big mistakes that people might not get behind you. But what I'm finding more and more these days, it actually just makes you more relatable and more lovable because nobody's perfect. You, the most successful people in this world have turned their mess into their message. And you have done that so eloquently and I'm really, mm. really inspired by it. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. So um, I have two final questions. We might have to go on a st- – no, we have, We I think we're going to have to go on a social distancing walk. I do, us. too. I do, too. I would love nothing more. I do, more. too. I'm like – Oh my God. That's like so amazing. The parks and the beaches are open. It is on. Oh, I don't, don't (laughs) even, I will be at your front door tomorrow morning. (laughs) Perfect. I'm ready. I I love it. I can't wait to continue, um, this, this friendship and relationship with you because, um, yeah, you're just, you're just too wonderful of a soul. And, and there's so much that I'm getting just out of recording with you and not even seeing your face right now. Um, so, so my two final questions for you, Aubrey, are the first is, can you, and I know, and I really, really like this, that you said that like 
your journaling doesn't happen happen in the morning. I've been really telling that to people also to like ease up on the pressures, do things when it works for you. If you're a mama and it doesn't work to do it in the morning because your kids are up, all good, like move it to later. But what generally does your morning routine and evening routine look like? Okay, so um, I was just telling you that I hired a new coach who's going to help me take my level up my self-love game to probably to just like unconditional self-love. And I just want to say for anybody who's just like starting on their journey, it's like first it's self-acceptance, then it's self-like, <laughs> then it's self-love. It's just such a process. Don't like, you know, um, it's just paso a paso. Just take it easy. It's a lifelong journey. Um, and it ebbs and flows. And so, so what I do is I wake up, oh gosh, on a good day, say, good morning, God. <laughs> good morning, God. Just to acknowledge a power just greater than myself out there. Just, you know, I mean, honestly, I throw my ear my earphones in my, in my ears and I put on some good music, like just whatever, just happy music. I just really got to like bitch slap the day and say like, this is going to be a good day. Um, especially the, yeah, especially the, during the pandemic when it's just like, I've woken up and I've been like, fuck. Yep. So on today I put the music, I put the earphones on, I put on some music. I go downstairs, I make coffee, um, have a glass of lemon water, get my notebook. If it's pretty outside, go and sit on my patio just do some journaling. Um, you know, if I feel called to like work on an essay or if I feel like some emotion coming up, I'll probably go straight to that essay. Um, you know, I, while the coffee's brewing, I like do 10 push ups. I just like to get my blood flowing. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, so I do that and then I do some meditation, um, which is right now, just like trying to cultivate it's a lot of like mirror work and telling myself like going through every part of my body telling myself like how much i love like my brain my throat my voice and like for all the reasons i love it and just trying to really worship myself and it's like while i'm looking in the mirror so a lot of tears come up um a lot of emotion um which eventually transforms into like joy and um and dance. Yeah. So I love that. It's, it's, it's some journaling, some writing, some caffeine, definitely some movement. Oh, I always make my bed. Good girl. I, I love it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so that's, that's kind of what my morning looks like. Um, my evening consists of most days a bath. Um, and I put on ear earphones and I listen to the sound of the ocean. I try to get off the screen at least an hour before because that's just like I don't have good sleep. Any um, and I don't watch a lot of TV, so just try to like wind it down. Um, just listen to the sounds of the ocean. Put some lavender on my body. Um, yeah, and that's kind of it. Stretch. That's nice. Kind of, that's that's what I. That do. sounds really nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And my final question to you is, what do you, Aubrey, give the most dams about? Hmm, good question. I give the most dam. I give the most dams about. Um, 
creativity, being fully creatively expressed. Um, and, you know, I think like self-love is a huge part of that. I mean, it's foundational to be fully creative expressed. It's like the act, it's the ultimate, um, active self-love because if I love and value and worthy and feel like I am so worthy that I will not censor, I will not distill or water down any of my creative thoughts. Yep. And I think that that is what I give the most dance about. And that's what we need more of in the world. We don't need a bunch of, at least we don't need a bunch of watered down versions of everybody. We need everybody to be as weird as they possibly can be to be their fullest, their highest, their self that their parents said were too much. We need you guys to shine bright and blind us with like your unique like self everything we need all of it that is a sound bite that is so good oh <laughs> thank you for saying that i couldn't agree more the weirder the better um aubrey thank you this filled up my cup all the way to the top so Thank you for your time and thank you for just sharing your journey with everyone and now with the Give a Damn community. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Thanks, Alana, for having me and happy to do it again and can't wait to meet you in person. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. Um, Aubrey, before we go, before I close out, where can people find you, your website, your social media? Um, go ahead and just like plug where everyone and I'll tag you as well. Sure. Great. So Aubrey Nichols is my Instagram, A-U-B-R-E-E dot N-I-C-H-O-L-S. From there, you'll get a link to my website. Um, don't go to my Instagram if you're not ready for some raw, real, um, somewhat R-rated, a lot of F-bombs. Um, we'll definitely have fun. But if you're into that kind of thing, then swing on by and shoot me a DM. I always, um, I love to engage with my community. So that's where you can find me. And from there, you can read all my writings and, and stuff like that. Would love to, love to have you. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, so excited to continue our conversation. I hope all of you listening were as inspired by that as I was. I know you are. This is such a treat. So um, I hope everyone has a wonderful rest of their day. And as always, so important to give a damn about your community, give a damn about your neighbor, but most importantly, give a damn about your damn self. Have a good day, everybody. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs>